Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Caring Support Podcast. I'm here today with a fabulous person who I connected with over social media, and uh, I'm talking about Dr. Maida Afan, who uh, works in digital health and literacy in these different areas, is uh, an absolute innovator. So it's really great to have you here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. And I think um, uh, it's like, you know, our previous discussions, it was really nice to talk to you and connect with you, James. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, I think what's really nice is, you, is you're bringing real value to the healthcare landscape. So we always love to share those stories with our audience. We want people to know about these incredible uh, people that are out there. Uh, certainly in Canada to start with, and, and to some degree in the U.S. as well. So um, I have a bunch of questions for you, so I'm going to get started if that's okay. Absolutely. Perfect. So uh, as it relates to, of course, everything to do with, you know, the whole digital health experience, they say the first question I have for you is what is the biggest challenge that affects patient engagement in healthcare? Right. And I mean, I think uh, you know you, you didn't waste any time and you got right down to business. Um, but before, before you know, just because even though patient engagement, the term is pretty self-explanatory, but just for your listeners, I think I'd like to break it down and define really what patient engagement is. Um, so patient engagement really refers to you know enabling and empowering the patients to uh, access, find, and apply relevant health information to improve their own health. So in other words, it's really about the patient playing an active role in their own healthcare. And that's what we need more of, right? When the patient is more engaged, more involved, uh, that's when the patient more aware, more uh, knowledgeable about their health condition, that's really when the patient feels empowered and confident um, in, in terms of making more informed health decisions about their own health, but also, shares a better relationship with their provider. So, you know, coming back to your question, when you talk about challenges, we can really broadly sort of categorize them into two parts, right? So we have our patient challenges, and then we have challenges on the provider side as well, because patient engagement is a two-way street, right? And so it's a relationship between the patient and the provider. But now, you know, experts are realizing with, especially more so after the pandemic because healthcare is all over the world is seeing this digital transformation. And so we understand that the healthcare is unique. It's, um, it has its own unique challenges, uh, you know, when compared to other industries. And so, you know, one of the things, one of the main challenges from the patient side, I think still is that they're still a little bit confused, right? And people say, well, there's resistance to change, but I think it's more than a resistance to change, James. I think it's sort of like a fear of the unknown because clinicians and patients both, they've been, they're so used to doing um, things a certain way. So even like simple things like symptom management or wound care and rehabilitation, you know, mental health therapy, all of this has been face-to-face. -face. All of this has either been doing a hospital stay or a hospital admission and not through a camera and not through a video or not at home. And even, but now because of digital advancements, we know that these things can be taken care of at home. 
So more than 80, statistically speaking, more than 80% of problems can be solved virtually and can be, um, you know, cured and treated at home and managed and monitored at home as well, which is great because it reduces the influx of the patients at the hospital, it reduces uh, the burden on an already uh, burdened healthcare system. But then it's really about, you know, communicating that to the patients, letting them know that, you know, this works and really gaining their confidence. And I think that's the first step of patient engagement is really to alleviate their confusion. But how do you do that, right? How do you do that? It's, it's, so, so patients might be aware of telemedicine. They might be, you know, I'm sure they're primary care providers from their community clinics or whatever. They're telling them, you know, I will just call you. We'll give you a call. You can contact us. But then it's, it's about going one step further. It's really about the patient experience through, the, through digital pathways, right? So making a lot of the patients, James, I think they're not even aware of where to look for reliable information, right? And that's where it boils down to poor health, digital health literacy. And again, that takes me back to my definition is that really providing and enabling the patient to find and use this applicable information that, that um, incites them to take some sort of action for their health, but also to do it using electronic resources and digital media. That's actually where that education and the communication part comes in now in this current landscape, which we're talking about, um, you know, in which we're talking about health tech and we're talking about the digital transformation that healthcare is experiencing right now. Um, and then, you know, again, uh, we have to understand that Digital health now, it's at the forefront, historically speaking as well, but patient engagement is at the forefront of research, of policy, of public health. It's about making, you know, the population at large uh, healthier. So it's so important to, to engage the patients um, through their, so we can make it their patient experience a seamless sort of uh, experience for them. Yeah, that's, that was uh, really well stated. By the way, Maida, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, I knew you were like a total superstar in the digital health scene, but <laughs> that was great. Uh, well, you know, what's interesting is when you were talking about, you know, not just about, you know, whatever, it's the fear of what does that look like, that change, that, you know, we all know that we're creatures of having, and I was talking to a customer recently, and I said to her, look, I know that you've been working in healthcare for a long time, but can you think of any other industry that's more right for disruption and change in healthcare? It's been doing the same stuff for the for whatever length of time, and for like obviously way too long. Um, and, you know, and there's a lot of people in it that are going to be hesitant, and they're going to be worried about moving outside these comfort zones. And, and of course, we often go right back to, oh my God, am I going to be losing my job? I'm going to be doing it. It's always based on fear. We go through this with our platform, even though it, it's very, very simple. And, yeah. and forward thinking is what we did was we, we promote and do all these things, allow people to work proactively. But sometimes you come across people who are like, well, you know, I don't want to do that. I still want to open the same old doors and somehow expect a different result. And you're like, well, that's not going to happen though. Right. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest, guys. So, yeah, yeah no, excellent, uh, excellent points. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. So. Now, when you uh, why do you think we're still dealing? With this digital divide that separates patients from past generations, you know, from yeah. digital natives. Yeah, well, first of all, I think. Um, 
again, when I was talking about the challenges, I think we have to address the, the, the clinician side as well, or the provider right. side as well, which are one of the primary drivers, but also one of the primary stakeholders of the healthcare system. And this is something that I talk about all the time. And now increasingly people are having more conversations around this, are um, clinician guided collaborations and clinician guided processes and, and um, you know, not only in product and design and development, but also in marketing and communications. And why, why it's so important is because, like I said, it's, it's almost the patient provider relationship is almost transactional, right? Between these two stakeholders or to these two main drivers of the healthcare ecosystem um, that unfortunately uh, are experiencing some sort of a communication gap right now, right? And so number one, I think it's identifying those gaps understanding it that it is it is a huge problem and it's something that is affecting patients lives it's affecting the healthcare ecosystem and then and then coming together like aligning appropriate and relevant stakeholders coming together and finding a unified solution for this and so again when i come to the clinician side so now uh, more so with healthcare digitization clinicians are just expected to sort of you know turn on their laptops in their clinics and go online and have these telemedicine um, appointments uh, and, and just do everything digitally. But a lot of the clinicians, we know that a large proportion of them belong to an older physician cohort and they might not be digital tech savvy. They might not have the proper training. There's a lack of training, but even among the younger clinicians as well, because they're already so pressed for time and they're, experiencing burnout and they have so much administrative work. So I think there's a lot of factors here, um, James, but I would, you know, I want to uh, mention here a survey that I read a couple of days ago in which they surveyed over a hundred doctors or healthcare executives in a, in a healthcare organization. And they asked them for their opinion on what the top most deterrent was um, in terms of patient outcomes and, uh, and patient engagement. And the number one cause that they found was, um, or the number one, uh, you know, the reason or majority of respondents said that it was a gap in health communication and even more, even, and even more than supply chain optimization. And so that really goes to show that physicians and clinicians, they do realize that there's a gap there, but I think the solution providers at the top need to be more perceptive and receptive and need to understand and hear, hear these um, the voices of these clinicians and the patients based on their outcomes and need to come together to really address these concerns. Because if we don't, you know, it's just going to, um, it's nothing is going to get better, right? And so, you know, I'd like here, I think uh, I'd like to mention some of the, like the five A's of patient engagement, so to speak. So this is sort of like a framework of patient engagement. Um, and it can easily be applied uh, through digital clinical pathways. And so number one would be ask, right? So you would ask about the health behaviors of the patient, right? Um, number two would be advise. So once you know the sort of behavior or the health behavior that the patient is already used to, you would um, you know, advise them to modify their unhealthy behaviors. And then you'd have to assess because you have to assess the willingness of the patient to change. Are they even willing to change at this point or not? And then assist. And if they're not, why? What is stopping them? How can you assist them 
in this behavior change. And then of course, and all of this is done digitally. So this is not, you know, it saves time. The patient doesn't have to keep on going back and forth uh, for physical visits. So this is done through a patient portal in patient accessible EHRs, which are electronic health records. It's a database where um, patient information is stored securely. And so patients have uh, access to all these, you know, doctor's notes, their own medical records, everything. And all of this information is communicated to and from the clinician or the provider through, through digital means. And so once the doctor or the clinician has all that information, they're in a better position to um, assess that information and be ready for a follow-up visit, either virtually or in person. And then that's where you know, the patient and the physician sit together. Um, they map out a plan, uh, a mutually decided plan and, and, and work together towards uh, a common goal for the patient. So we know it's possible because it's being done. We just need to do it in a better way, in a, in a more seamless way. Um, just to ex expand on that, I think one of the major, one of the other major gaps here is that we often say that these solutions are patient-centric and that they're value-based, but I think the, 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 uh, the result that comes out of it is that these solutions have to be based on individual preferences. So you might, you might have asthma, I might have asthma, but my individual preferences might, or my barriers uh, to receiving care might be different than, you, than yours. Or your individual preferences might be different than mine. So for instance, you, you, know, you, might, you might respond to medication differently, right? You might want a more conservative way of treatment. I might want a more aggressive, I might be open to more, a more aggressive uh, sort of treatment option. And so when we're talking about value-based care and patient centricity, this is what we have to keep in mind. We have to keep in mind, A, the individual preferences of the patient, but B, um, the barriers uh, to receiving care and to receiving this information. Um, in other words, the social determinants of care, right? So I might have a certain language barrier. I might have different cultural values that impact um, um, care receiving in that sense. I might have just other issues that uh, somebody else with my condition may not. And so there are a lot of factors, again, that come into this, but in a nutshell, uh, I think these are, these are some of the issues that we need to address. Yeah, excellent. Um, I, I really agree with that. I, and uh, thanks for, uh, you know, giving us a different perspective, because I think a lot of times that's where we do have our challenges. Everybody's working in their own world and they suspect that this is the problem and that's the problem. And when really they're, they're, it is very complex. I think once we, we, we get over that where people, like you say, there's models that are currently working right now, people are implemented this, it clearly works. So it's not like it's an issue of, whether or not the process works. Uh, it's just the case of implementation, which kind of leads to our next point, and you kind of covered this a bit, but to our next question, which basically says, you know, uh, why is healthcare so slow to adopting new channels of, of engagement? They're easier to use and, you know, help reduce the digital divide. Right, and okay, it's so it's a mouthful, right? I mean, um just if you look at it uh, holistically speaking. But 
there's a lot of concern around financial benefits and around an ROI, so to speak. So I was discussing this in another, in a previous podcast that I was in last week as well. And I think now we have to sort of risk the ways, uh, or, sorry, we have to weigh the risk versus benefit kind of thing. So, so, you know, if we, my argument is that if we're using technology for better patient care, why aren't we using or leveraging the same technology for better patient communication, right? Um, and so we've seen and studies and reports and all these different, you know, um, reports that come out, they've, they've showed that people or organizations are willing to invest in healthcare technology that is directly related to patient care, but they're not willing to invest in patient communication or engagement tools. And, but on the flip side, when we talk about ROI, studies do show that there is a a financial benefit to it. There is a visible ROI. And there was a study that I was reading and it showed that physicians were able to make um, $20,000 per year per, per physician. There was an increase in $20,000 per year per physician. And there was an increase, um, there was a 20% increase in the patient influx of the healthcare organization because of better patient engagement. Because the patient felt more involved. They, they, the, there was a trust that was developed with that particular organization, with the particular providers. And so, you know, that goes to show if you put the infrastructure in place and if you lay the foundation down, you will see a better result. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, James. So, you know, when we talk about clinic, the clinical outcomes of patient engagement, right? So they're more involved. There's a reduced cost of care. Um, there's improved self-management. Um, you know, they feel more confident, more in control. So they're more likely to follow the doctor's orders, adhere to their medication, um, you know, go to their follow-ups on time. And all of this in the long-term, there's reduced hospital admissions. There's a reduced burden on the healthcare economy, right? And, and, this, is all, and this can all be done effectively from the comfort of their own homes. So, you know, something that me and my team at Seven Health, we, we emphasize on is, is patient communications. And we need to understand, I'm so glad that you brought this up, that we need to understand that the means or the mode of communication has also changed. The means of marketing has also changed, just like the means of receiving and providing care has changed because of, because of digitization, right? So it's not patients, just like clinicians don't have time, the average consumer or the average digital, I mean, there. if we talk about how much digital content we consume in a day, and that, that totals to like six hours and some minutes daily of digital information or online information that we're consuming. So the patient really wants bit-sized information, digestible information, um, relevant information, and then personalized information that really, uh, again, incites them to take some sort of action. So, um, so, so yeah, so we've seen that the clinical outcomes of engagement are there, and we've seen that the organizational outcomes of engagement are there. And it beats me, you know, why we're not uh, adopting, uh, um, you know, clinical sort of digital uh, pathways of communication. But again, it's, it's more than just the patient and provider. It goes beyond that. It's really about talking and involving all of the stakeholders in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was really great. I, I love that. I, uh, you certainly on top of this, Maya, you know, um, uh, you really well, you know, it's something that I feel passionate about. It's what I <laughs> yeah, do. Clearly. It's it's Which it's yeah. Great. It's what I yeah. do, and um, 
Yeah, so a lot of a lot of my times, you know, when I'm talking to uh, talking to some clients or just people who reach out to me on LinkedIn that, you know, I saw this post, I thought it was really great. And then I like, you know, investing time and and talking to people about this because it's so important. And I think that, you know, I often say that there are digital sort of uh, touch points for care, but then there's digital touch points for communication as well. So, uh, yeah. You know, fundamentally speaking, if I were to step back and look at this more high level, this is the kind of conversation that happens in anything related to stuff that we do in life. It's like, let's say a personal relationship to maybe any kind of business relationship you have with a, you know, mm-hmm. somebody in sales or account management with a client. So, you know, don't assume things like you've got to communicate. You've got to just make it these salient points. This is all they need to know. They don't need to hear read a book. They don't need to know the complexities of it from their point of view. That's really our concern. It's yeah. really like, what what, what do they need to know right now? Like, if you put exactly. yourself in the shoes yeah. and, and those people, I think a lot of times this comes down to empathy. It is We just really need to be more mindful and aware that if we were in their position, what would we want to know? Like, what would really matter to us right now? And you said this earlier. I tell people that's the same thing with sales. It, it, is they say, well, you know, well, I don't know. Here's a novel idea. Ask. Find out. Yeah. Like, just find out what is it? Yeah. What are your problems? What are the challenges? What's your concerns? What is it you feel right now? What do you really want to know? And so, and then, okay, then address that, right? So Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's all about, it's all about giving them need to know information instead of nice to know information. Yeah. Nobody oh, has time yeah. to nice to know. It's about giving them the need to know information. And I think, um, yeah, no, definitely you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I couldn't have said it better. And I think no more and more healthcare experts are realizing this, but again, it's about, it's, it's not enough if me and you have the conversation. It's really about those decision makers, adding clinicians, adding people from the healthcare background on the decision making table at that time. I mean, if if you're making if people and then also health tech companies, right? If you're making a tool yeah. for patients, yeah. you need to have them on board. And this is really interesting because on on my one of my episodes, uh, I had Howard Rosen on. He's the president of Hims for the Ontario chapter. And he uh, actually, uh, he was involved in a communication platform as well. And he said that he, he, did, he did focus groups with patients uh, before launching the, you know, one of his products into the market. I thought, and that's actually something that I was talking to um, uh, someone about earlier, that I think we should have patient uh, focus groups. So get like a couple of, like a handful of patients, ask them their challenges, like you just said, ask them their challenges. What are your concerns? How do you think we can make this better? Um, but again, in commercialization, it's all about the timing as well, because there's so much competition, people want to hit the market faster. But then again, something that Howard says, I'm going to reiterate here, is that it's about uh, time versus utilization. So, you know, I, the product might be hitting the market faster, but is it going to is it going to have a good patient use, utilization rate? Or can I spend four extra weeks uh, on, you know, uh, making a better product with the feedback of these patients and then have a better utilization rate? So which option yeah. would be better? Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of yeah. things. Uh, I think you've almost answered the next question, which is cool, but... I I enjoyed that uh, podcast. I watched that with Howard. I reached out to him afterwards. Um, Yeah, because I thought, you know, it's very interesting. Appreciate what you have to say. And, uh, you know, and obviously, if you're talking to 
to Maida, then you know you must be a rock star. So no, oh, I think um, it was the other way around. Sorry, <laughs> I, I take no credit uh, that. But thank absolutely. you. Yeah. But also, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of go into I'm gonna move beyond that last question because you kind of basically answered that, and I think it's mm -hmm. really great. But what are the best strategies you can think of to promote digital health literacy and empower patients? Excellent question, because that's what I do, right? So first of all, you have to meet the patients where they are. And what I mean by that is most of the patients are online, right? So if you have a backache or you woke up with a headache in the morning, you're probably the first thing you're going to do is Google, um, you know, maybe the symptoms of your headache or uh, whatever you're going through and instead of calling a doctor. So it's a natural sort of uh, behavior that we've all sort of adapted. Um, so what I mean by meeting patients where they are is that you have to have your bases covered. And I think technology is an enabler. Uh, it empowers everyone. So I think just by being on those relevant channels, so what I mean by that is having a decent, for healthcare organizations, especially, especially and when we talk about digital strategies, for startups or for healthcare organizations come up to me, I say, well, you have to have your bases covered. So you have to have a decent website with all the necessary information. You have to have a Google My Business for your local sort of community. You have to have some sort of social media presence as well, because people are on social media all the time. And then you, you know, depending on what your goals and your objectives and your marketing objectives are, that's when we start to sort of narrow down and focus in on your message and your narrative and how you want to communicate and how you want to relate to your audience, right? Uh, so, and again, um, James, the, the way of communicating and the way of marketing, and you're, you're part of, you know, that industry as well, you know, just as well as I do, that that mode, that method, that approach has drastically changed. So, you know, again, make it concise, need to know information. Um, and, but then also for healthcare, especially because there's so much regulation and compliance and regulatory guidelines that we have to follow, make sure that whatever information out you're putting out there is fact-checked and that it has some sort of supporting reference. Um, and even if you can't advertise or if there's some sort of regulations that you have to abide by and you can't advertise your core product or service, you can still become a hub of trustful like uh, information, health information, and a resource of health information that patients can turn to, a reliable source of information that patients can turn to. Um, so yeah, so you know, when you talk about digital strategy, again, get your bases covered, make sure that you, the information that you're putting out is responsibly, you're, you're taking um, account for that because patients are reading it, and um, make sure that you're following all the rules and that you have an expert on board. It's okay to ask for help if you don't know where to start. And so that's where I guess I'm just going to plug it in, but that's where healthcare marketing experts come in as well, right? Because as a clinician, that's that's basically what me and my my company do is because we're clinician led, right? So we uh, we have we're from the healthcare background. We have that domain knowledge. We understand the patient provider journey. We understand the psychology of the patients. So. This is sort of an advantage, I guess, if you have uh, somebody from that field that understands, but is also in the content and in the marketing space and in the strategy space, I should say. So, yeah, in a nutshell, you know, without taking too much of your time. No, that's okay. So I, I thought that was really great. And yeah, and I appreciate it because I want to make sure that our audience understands what you do and, and the power of that. And 
and the beauty of it, to be honest, uh, because it's very, very important. And it's interesting because it made me think that the part you said about being where the patient is uh, was great because not only is that bang on, I uh, I think about our platform, like, you know, you saw it, I showed it to you, you saw, you know, how uh, neat it works and how simple it is, but intuitive. And so sometimes what we, you know, I was speaking at a conference recently and I said to people that, you know, the old ways of doing things aren't working anymore. Like this is a candidate driven market. So now you need to be where they are, not wait for them to come to you. You need to be where they are. So what's that look like? You know, yes, it involves some change. It involves innovating. So, you know, if people struggle to make that happen, you know, I tell them, hey, we have 15 step marketing plan. One of those alone is social media. And we are on every single platform you can dream of, including doing TikToks, believe it or not, because we need to be where people are. Right. We need to be in their space. And, you know, when it comes to the patient, personally, I don't know if you've seen the articles in the paper, like a lot of the media lately that talked about maybe it's time we change patient to the word client or customer. consumer consumer right. absolutely exactly. yeah and that so, that's the notion of the consumerization of healthcare right that's what we're right. talking about that for so long patients have not been treated as consumers and now it's time to treat them as consumers treat and incentivize healthcare that's another point uh, that yeah. I, I missed out that we have to like all the other industries are incentivizing their products right um, so i think that sort of providing more value for the patients and and working towards health equity james which is so important and if there was a key takeaway from this podcast i want you know for your listeners it's about it's about really working up to health equity and there's a difference between health equality and equity and equality is the assumption that everyone has the the, the same access to quality care but equity is really about removing the systemic barriers and truly giving everyone um, equal opportunity to to uh, the same level of care. So yeah, I love that. That's awesome. That's great. Really glad you brought that up. That's very very uh, extremely valid point uh, and very important. So that kind of leads to the last question I've got is and and maybe you're already touching on it, but if there's anything else, uh, Maida, that you would like to add, uh, please do so. Like that you think that we haven't covered in this podcast. So. Um... So I can I can just sum it up. Uh, you know, I think that um, there are a lot of, uh, you know, they say that problem is an opportunity. So if we highlighting the problems, we know that there's a solution and a way to solve them. Uh, we just have to and we are and a lot of great people are doing a lot of great work in these areas. So it's just about really coming together and and keep, you know, pushing and keep persevering. Um, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. So I think that uh, you know, digital technology and health technology and the digital transformation that healthcare is experiencing is great. There are a million benefits to it. Uh, but I think just uh, communication goes hand in hand with patient care. And that's really a gap that we need to tap tap into. Um, and um, yeah, so I think, you know, uh, there's hope and we'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said, and I appreciated that you you created that summation of everything because, you know, it, it, it just gives everybody, uh, I think, a, a maybe that view that says this is why this matters and what's important about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really want to thank you so much for being on our podcast because clearly you're extremely smart. And, <laughs> uh, and, no, thank you, you know, for the what, opportunity. I was not yeah. for I couldn't refuse, so. 
Well, what you're doing is really great, you and your team. Um, you. And I really wish you the best of continued success and that um, I, uh, I really love your foresight. It's excellent. Well, likewise, James. I think, I think uh, in fact, uh, at the previous podcast that I was on, I did uh, mention your platform as well because we were talking about the staffing crisis and everything. So I know I, I truly think it's innovative. So um, all the best for you and your team as well. Thank you so much. You take care and we'll uh, stay in touch.